You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie. Are we still saying Happy New Year? I think we can still say Happy New Year. Right, Happy New Year, oh, everyone. January 10th. Oh, so we got a done. we got a, a Nathan not interested in saying Happy New Year. Happy MLK weekend. All right, that's fair. <laughs> All right, I can deal. support that. <laughs> so, guys, how are you? I'm saying Happy New Year still. Happy New Year, John. Yeah, thank happy you. MLK weekend, <laughs> Nathan. Yes, very exciting. As we're working on a number of publications, including the yearbook, spring training issue, spring magazine. We've got a lot of travel plans, and John and Nathan are both headed out of the office next week and leaving me here all to my lonesome. <laughs> me just sitting alone at my desk. I know. I'm, I'm actually I missing mean, them. I always look forward to traveling and doing stories on the road, but this is, I think, my 11th January working on Yankees publications, and you would think by now I would remember how crazy it is this time of year but this is actually like our one of our busiest times of the year so i'm actually a little like weary of leaving the office for an entire week you don't trust me no not not at all i think it'll be fine nate i don't trust that i'm going to be able to take care of all my responsibilities (laughs) while not being here everyone i talk to oh january you work for the yankees man you must be doing nothing it's like I filed three stories, three feature stories this week. I'm going away, and I'll be working nonstop while I'm away on all the other things I need to do. Not really a quiet time for us, exactly. I can't tell you the amount of people who's like, oh, you just get the off-seasons off? Do you even go to the office? I'm like, what are you saying? It's so funny, too, because during the season, we're busy. We're very busy during the season, but it's such a routine during the season. It's like, this week we do this, and we're busy, and this week we do this, and we're busy, and the off-season is just like all of it. (laughs) And then, you know, once January 1st hits, we're we're not the only department who's like full steam ahead for the 2018 season and you know we collaborate with a lot of different departments here not only are we trying to crank out our first issue you know our spring issue we're less than a month away from sign off on we're putting together the 2018 yearbook but we're also trying to assist all these other departments on their needs as well um, whether it be uh, different collateral items pocket schedules photo needs so there's just you know there's a lot flying around here these days but uh it's all well and good it took me a while to get uh comfortable with the feeling of like okay you're not going to get everything done today (laughs) work as hard as you can for the eight hours that you're there or whatever but know that at the end of the day there's still going to be work on your plate and that's okay um, so, but I, I like that feeling of getting up and coming to work and knowing that there's a lot to do. And yep. it, it's all good stuff. Yeah. And so you're putting that all in your rear view mirror and you're flying away. Where are you going, Nate? Yeah. So next week I am headed down to Tennessee um, with our photographer, Barry Schneiderman, as well as a couple of guys from the scoreboard department, Pete Gurgley and Brandon Mim, our, our Yankees on demand crew. And we're going to be spending some time with Sonny Gray which I'm really looking forward to because 
I've admired Sonny for a long time. I mean, since he burst onto the scene with Oakland, and, uh, you know, I remember him pitching that postseason game for the A's, and I was just so, you know, impressed with him. I was really thrilled when the Yankees acquired him at the trade deadline in 2017. But, you know, when, when Sonny got here, I mean, he was thrown into the thick of a, a playoff race, and, you know, he really didn't, he was trying to just settle in. It was the first time, you know, for any player, wherever you are in your career, when you're dealt midseason, it's a lot to, you know, kind of deal with so um we, we didn't really get much of a chance to speak to Sonny or do anything in depth about him in the magazine but now that it's the off season and he's you know relaxing I guess a little bit at home uh he's from the Nashville area so uh we're gonna head down there we're gonna uh, meet Sonny uh meet some of his family some of his friends some of his coaches from high school and he played at Vanderbilt there in in Nashville um so we plan to uh, meet with as many people as we can who know Sonny well, and I plan to just give our readers uh, an idea of, of who he is and where he's from and why they should root for a guy like Sonny Gray. When you're doing a story like this, I think it's uh, it's beneficial just to tell people, what is it like to go down? Like, how many hours are you working? How much time do you spend with Sonny? What, mm. what is your day like when you're traveling? I think that's something people don't really know about, so yeah. shed some light on it. Yeah, well, this one, I mean, you know, like I said, uh, there's a lot going on here, so I'm trying to cut my travel time as much as I can. So although we're uh, scheduled to meet with Sonny's college coach, Tim Corbin, on Tuesday morning, we're going to try and fly out very early out of LaGuardia Tuesday morning. I I think we have like a 7 a.m. flight or something, and so we'll get off the plane, head right over to Vanderbilt and meet with Coach Corbin. And then uh, Brandon over at Yankees On Demand, he really did a lot of the legwork on the back end on this one. Each day he's got at least three or four people lined up that we're going to go talk to. We're going to spend three days down there and then come back home Friday afternoon. And then I'll uh, get the story turned around as, as quickly as possible. I think right now it's slated for the April issue, but nothing's ever set in stone. It's, it's nonstop when you're on the road. And, John, you're going to be doing some traveling as well. Where are you going? Heading to the Dominican Republic, where I've never been. And uh, I'm, go- I'm going to hang out with uh, Luis Severino, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite players to cover. He is interesting. He's a hard worker. He's really smart. You know, he had such an interesting end of the year last year because he had that just wretched, wretched wild card game. You know, he had no idea what what that was going to do to a young kid like that after such a even after such a great season. And then he was really solid. You know, the rest of the month uh, after the Yankees picked him up in that wild card game. But you know, he's got an interesting story. So many of these guys have interesting stories. You know, it doesn't matter if they're Tennessee Sonny Gray or Dominican. Uh, Luis Severino. These guys all have incredible things that they've overcome and incredible skills that they had to use, not just how to pitch, but just like life skills that they used to get to this point. And anytime I'm going somewhere I've never been, and I've never been to the Dominican, you know, in my head, you know, I want to make a big story. I want to try to convey everything that I'm learning about this place. You know, I come into Yankee Stadium every day, and during the season, I'm writing these stories about these guys, and I'm really writing about mostly things that the readers are seeing at the same time as I'm writing them. I'm writing about what they're doing in very public spheres. When you get to do this stuff in the offseason, I really try to make sure I'm telling a story that they don't know and that they can't see. I was really proud last year of what I was able to do with Jacoby Ellsbury and, and, and the story I did about, you know, his, his Navajo roots and uh, the reservation where he spent some time growing up i I don't know that i'm gonna find anything like this with severino but i'm really excited to just see someplace new and try to establish in the story my process of learning about it and in the same way teach kind of 
the readers some bigger parts of the story that aren't necessarily about his wind-up or, you know, his approach on the mound. For both of you, because I'm a little bit different. When you go somewhere, do you have the framework of a story in mind? Because when I travel, I always find that whatever I'm going to work on changes mm-hmm. almost 100%. Whenever I get there, whenever I do the interview, whenever I'm transcribing the interview, it changes over and over and over again. Do you guys find that too? I think for me, it's it's really important to, to go and just be as observant as possible. You know, you kind of want to be just the, the eyes and ears and, and try and take the reader into that place. And of course, you, you come prepared, you know, you do research beforehand, you have a list of questions, but you're right. I mean, it often changes. And John, I know, you know, when I went to the DR for the first time last year with Dellen Batansis, you know, I thought I was going down to cover like basically a, a community type event. And I ended up coming away with a totally different story because you spend time with these players that you normally don't get and you learn things about them that you wouldn't otherwise get to learn. And, you know, you come back and you try and write the best story possible that you think readers are going to enjoy reading. It's a great question, Hillary, and I think it depends for me on what I'm getting to do when I'm down there. You know, I can tell you, last year, as unique as I thought the story was on Ellsbury, I kind of did have a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do when I was going there. And the story definitely moved in some different directions when I got there, but I would say that I went there with, you know, a pretty solid plan on what I wanted to do. Something like this, uh, where I'm going to a country where I, you know, don't speak the language. I don't really know how to get around. The Dominican's not that easy from what I've heard in terms of, you know, logistics. And I'm going to be relying on a lot of other people for things. You know, it's going to be a story where a lot of it is just what I can possibly get. So I could say, you know, 15 things to you that I would like to do for this story. And there are things that I want to tell. I don't think I'm going to get the chance to do... story that I'm planning out. So my goal is, again, to take a reader on the same kind of exploration that I'm going on the, and, and and to capitalize on the unfamiliarity I have with the situation because I think that is hopefully that mystery and that intrigue is going to make for a good narrative. And that's what I'm looking to do. Again, in season, it's a little different. In season, we'll sit there in our edit meetings and it's, I would like to write about D. Gregorius and I'm going to write about the fact that he's hitting a lot of home runs and he also has all this fun with emoji. And I pitched the story like that and that's the story I wrote. This is really just a story. My pitch on this story is just Luis Severino. And I don't know <laughs> what, and, and, and look, I mean, part of it is just the nature of the game. Like, I, I'm lucky that Luis Severino said yes to give us some time. I'm also going to try to work on a few other stories while I'm down there. And you never know, maybe the, a couple of those other things that I'm working on, whether it's the Dominican Baseball Academy that the Yankees have, some prospects that the Yankees have for down there, maybe that all kind of, you know, meshes into not necessarily one story, but some of the things I learn on one end inform the pieces of the other story. But th- this is definitely not a pitch on... I'm going to tell the story of Luis Severino doing X. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to observe and hopefully uh, find some interesting stuff. And I, and I, 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 not hopefully find some interesting stuff. I'll find some interesting stuff. He's an interesting <laughs> guy. He's a major league baseball player taking me to where he's from. Yeah. I think that's naturally going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's always fun to, to see guys away from the stadium, I yeah. find, because I think they feel a little bit more relaxed and you get a lot of different stuff than standing in front of their locker with them and right. just talking about baseball. When they're in their house or they're in their hometown, that's where they're most comfortable, I feel like. so. And the thing that I found, too, is Luis Severino, for example, however long I end up working at the Yankees, however long he ends up pitching for the Yankees, this is probably not going to be the last time that I write about Luis Severino. And one thing I found is when you do these hometown stories and you spend some time with them, the best example I can give is Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran has always been one of my favorite baseball players. And then in the winter of 20, 
14, I think, I got to spend some time with him in Puerto Rico. And I had interviewed him a dozen or so times before then. I think that I had a pretty good sense of who, uh, who he was. But spending two, two and a half days with him in Puerto Rico, everything I was able to do with him after that fact came from a really different place where mm-hmm. he understood me and he was more comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was really proud of the story that I wrote about Beltran when I was in Puerto Rico. I was exceptionally proud of the next feature I did on him about two years later. And I don't think I would have been able to do that story if he didn't have the trust in me to talk about the things that were important to him. And that, that that's the second story was about his legacy. And it's hard to get players to talk about their own legacy, especially when they're not retired. And I don't think he would have been so comfortable talking to me about it over lunch in the city if we hadn't spent that time together. So... You know, I'm, I'm very excited to write this story about Luis Severino. I'm also really excited about the possibilities that it will offer me down the road to write more about him because hopefully he'll see who I am in the clubhouse. He certainly recognizes me. Uh, whether he knows my name or not, I don't know. But if we spend this time together, it's going to be a lot easier for me this coming season when I go up to his locker to know that we shared something and that I do understand a little bit more about him than just one of the 40 reporters who are crowded around him after a start. And, you know, we're all talking about this from a writer's perspective because we're all writers but you know one of my favorite things about these off-season stories too is just from a visual perspective the stories that we're able to tell you know we never go on these trips without one of our photographers and they're all super talented at what they do but during the season you know most of the stuff that we're able to get is then in pinstripes game action yankee stadium you know there's not a whole lot of opportunity to get stuff like luis severino training in his home in the Dominican Republic uh, unless we do it in January or whatever. So I'm always excited to come back and and see what our photographers are are able to to gather and then go through with them and choose the photos for the stories. And uh, I I just think that's part of what makes Yankees Magazine so special is that, you know, our readers can expect to not only read an in-depth story about one of their favorite players or whoever it may be, but they're going to see these guys in a way that they've never seen them before. And one other, one other thing that I should mention to give them credit, I mean, you mentioned you know, Brandon from the Yankee scoreboard doing a lot of work to help you out. The fun thing about our photographers that we have is we get a couple minutes with these guys before a game sometimes, and maybe if something big happens, we'll get them afterward. These guys actually interact a lot with our photographers, and they ham it up for our photographers. Oh, and, yeah. you know, our photographers develop relationships with these guys. If you, if, if you look at a lot of the Yankees players, if you follow their social media accounts, a lot of those photos you're seeing are things that they got from our photographers. And so the thing is, one thing that's great about that, Nate, you mentioned the story look great and we get these awesome shots and they trust our photographers but also our photographers are very often able to get stuff from these guys to plan these things out that we just can't they're able to text these guys because they have these relationships with them from sending them pictures all the time and you know a guy who's not responding through his agent or through his publicist or anything else you'll have our photographer ari or one of our photographers jim or mm-hmm. scoreboard guy send a text and right away the story comes together so you know you see our name on the story when we write something like that this Severino story will say by John Schwartz but I can tell you a lot of the stuff that's happened has been Jim Petrozello being able to work some of his contacts too and so it's not just a matter of making the story look good they also kind of make the story happen often yeah for sure yeah you think about that uh the DD's feature that you did in September that you referenced (laughs) earlier with the emojis I mean that photo shoot it's hard to imagine that happening with some outside photographer who drops in for a day I suppose it could but I don't know. I think it, the way that it all went down and how well it worked, I think yeah, that it has was, a lot to do That was an Ari Goldman special. <laughs> right. yeah. For sure. Well, guys, I wish you Godspeed. Good luck. <laughs> I'll be here. Yeah, you're going to hold it down for us? I, I'll, I, 
I'll get things done. Don't you worry about <laughs> us here in New York. I don't even know what the weather is supposed to be like, but you guys will be nice and warm in your southern destinations. Maybe. I don't know. What's Tennessee like in January? Better than New York. Probably Better than here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think it might rain a couple of the days. I'm in the Dominican Republic. I don't know how bad that makes you guys feel. Gosh, let me know, cry you a river, I know, John. I know. Yeah, you know what? We all... We all have our The struggle trials. is real. Yeah. I think it, I, I spoke to Ari this morning from Arizona, where she is right now with our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. And, and like the, 19% of the Yankees roster that they're meeting with over the next yeah, three days. Yeah. They're getting a lot done out there. And uh, I think it was raining in Arizona this morning. But, yeah, they'll be spending some time with center fielder Aaron Hicks. We'll have those stories to look forward to as well. We'll tutor our horn here. Our March and April issues, in some ways, there's the least news. Although, I mean, you know, we got Giancarlo Stanton, that was very newsy. We got a new manager. But these stories that we're able to fill in the off season, they really make our March and April issues, I think, you know, some of the most interesting of the year. We get to, you get to June, you get to July, those magazines are going to be very on field, as they should be, because there's a lot happening. But, you know, you have been away from Yankees Magazine for like five months when you get that March issue, and you're not just getting, here's what happened last year. It's really a look at, here, is a, here are these guys, and here's, here's stuff about them that you actually, honestly, will not get anywhere else. It's exciting. I can't wait to read what you guys come up with and uh, see the pictures because that'll be fun. All right. Coming up on the Yankees Magazine podcast, we have a really fun draft that John came up with. So stick around for that. You're going to love it. And I interview one of the Yankees beat reporters, Brian Hoke, who has a new book coming out in March about these baby bombers and what he thinks is the start of a new Yankees dynasty. So stick around. Brian Hoke has been covering the Yankees for MLB.com for a number of years now. He's been on the Yankees beat for 11 years total. And this March, he's coming out with a new book called The Baby Bombers, the inside story of the next Yankees dynasty. Brian and I hopped on the phone this week to talk about the book and what he's seen from this Yankees team, why he wanted to write about them, and all the young, fun guys that fans so much fell in love with in 2017 and what to expect from them going forward. He calls it a dynasty. We get into that prediction and more. Here's the conversation. All right, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm so excited to have you. So, Brian, you're here to talk about your book, which comes out in March, right? That is correct. Yeah, it comes out on uh, March 6th and uh, be released everywhere, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all that. And this is uh, kind of my first tour in the book world. Uh, You know, obviously, I've been covering the Yankees now for 11 years. all my work has been on MLB.com, so I've been writing about the team for a while, but it was definitely a different experience to put it all together in a book, and uh, really excited to see what the final product looks like. So tell me about the book, The Baby Bombers, the inside story of the next Yankees dynasty. Why this book right now? Obvious question, maybe, but maybe there's not an obvious answer. When did the idea hit you? Why did you want to write a book? And, and why did you want to kind of veer away from the beat reporting that you've been doing, like you said? I think we've all kind of understood that something really special was happening in the Bronx. And and what the book does is it traces how the Derek Jeter Yankees became the Aaron Judge Yankees. And it's something that I've been fortunate enough to live on a day-to-day basis, you know, from the inside. And I I wanted a a way that I could share my observations. Uh, Had a lot of conversations with Brian Cashman, with Joe Girardi, with the players, of course, uh, the coaching staff, uh, 
didn't have a whole lot of conversations until I started working on the book with the coaches who brought these guys to the majors. And we've obviously seen Aaron Judge, who's Rookie of the Year, but Gary Sanchez came up at the end of 2016, set the world on fire. Luis Severino bounced back after 2016, had a fantastic 2017. Greg Bird had some success, obviously missed a lot of time, uh, came back strong at the end of 2017. So there were a lot of interesting storylines I thought that were worth exploring and and that I don't think we had a chance to dig into the backstories of where these guys came from, how they got the Yankee Stadium, and, and where they're heading in the future. So um, I would say that a book wasn't necessarily something that was on my mind, but as we were watching the 2017, uh, 2017 season play out, uh, I think right around the home run derby you started to see, wow, there is a really good story here to be told about how the Yankees have turned this organization around so quickly and gone from a team that was reliant really on a lot of veteran guys. I mean, remember, it wasn't just Derek Jeter, but you were relying heavily on Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira, and and these guys were kind of fading into the final years of their career. And really what Brian Cashman has done is he has pivoted on a dime, and I think you you look at that 2016 trade deadline sell-off where they got rid of guys like Carlos Beltran and at the deadline and Andrew Miller and they really restocked this farm system and I, I think that the Yankees are, are set to compete for years to come with what they have here and 2017 might just be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah I mean it was obviously an exciting year for all of us for the fans for us here for everybody reporting on and covering the Yankees you said that the home run derby is where you kind of thought maybe a book would be a good idea at that point how does how does your reporting change, or does it not change? You're just kind of getting more stuff. What's the logistics of that when you decide, okay, this is going to be a book? How do you proceed from there? Well, I had a publisher contact me sometime after Aaron Judge won the Home Run Derby, and obviously everybody wanted to talk about Aaron, and it was pretty much nonstop. I mean, he had 30 home runs at the All-Star break. He was the greatest player in the game for a stretch of time, and uh, we started volleying ideas back and forth at that point, and originally we were thinking about doing just a book that focused on Judge, but the pitch that I made was I, I think there's such a bigger story to be told here with, uh, as I mentioned, the transition from Jeter to Judge and Gary Sanchez and Luis Severino and Greg Bird and D.D. Gregorius, and I, I just I thought that telling the story of the 2014, 15, 16, 17 and beyond Yankees was a more uh, sizable book than, than just the story of Aaron Judge, which is a great story. Um, but I thought that we could add more depth to that. So uh, what I did was I started interviewing a, a lot of different people from the, the players' cast to kind of gain context and, and dig back into how these guys arrived here. You know, I remember we were in Toronto and uh, Damon Oppenheimer, who is uh, obviously in charge of the Yankees' domestic scouting, that happened to be there. And I remember talking with Damon for about 30 minutes, not just about the current team, but take me back to the, the draft in 2013 and how you guys are looking at Aaron Judge. I just I, I felt like we were able to go back and, and talk to a lot of the scouts who were on the ground floor. I, I spoke to the scout, Troy Afnir, who scouted Judge out in California, and it was the first player that he'd ever scouted, uh, the first signing he'd ever made. He told the Yankees, he said, I don't know what I have here, but it looks pretty special, and I, I think somebody else should come out here and take a look. And There was a lot of details like that in this book that I'm not sure 
Yankee fans have heard yet, and I, I think that uh, whether you're a diehard who watches every single game and goes to 50 games a year, or if you just flip them on once in a while and, and you go to maybe two or three games a year, you're going to find something in this book that really excites you and get, helps you get to know these players a little better. For me, it feels like a pretty bold prediction to call these guys the next dynasty. Do you think it's a bold prediction? And how do you think they compare to the, the past dynasty, this, this core four era? How do you replace a core four? Because you covered them for a while. You've been covering the Yankees for 11 years now. So you were part of the core four, and now you're part of this new, what you call dynasty. How do you, how do you feel about that prediction that they're going to be a dynasty? Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'll get back to you in about 2019 or 2010, 2020. But I think they, they have all the building blocks in place right now. And I think that everybody around the game agrees that this team is going to be a powerhouse. And, and just adding Giancarlo Stanton, I think, to the mix takes them over the top. But this is a team that was one win away from going to the World Series last year. And it was a year that everybody was saying it was going to kind of be a rebuilding year. And, and everybody should look more toward 18 and 19. But... They stepped up and they said, no, their time is now. And, and the team was in the, the hunt for the American League East. They were fighting Boston up to the very end. Uh, obviously, you know about the playoff success they had and, and coming back to defeat Cleveland and then taking Houston to the limit. I think that uh, you look at the next four or five years and you might look back and say the 2017 Yankees were the weakest team of that era. As far as the core four, I don't think anybody can ever replace the core four. I mean, what that team did was really special. And I make the point in the book that it, it's really not the core four, it's the Fab Five. And, and Bernie Williams gets uh, excluded there, but he should definitely be included as part of that too. But I, I'm not sure if you're going to see a team win uh, four World Series in five years like they did in 96, 98, 99, 2000. But uh, I think what you're going to see is a Yankee team that is in the mix to contend for a championship every single year. I think what Hal Steinbrenner has shown is – they're willing to add to it and supplement and bring in guys like Stanton and make the big moves, and they're also willing to go out and sign free agents. I think you're going to see that over the next few years. But what they have right now with that core of Judge, Sanchez, Severino, I, I Bird, I really feel like that's something they can build around and supplement, and uh, they should be in the mix for years to come. Definitely, definitely. It's an exciting time, and like you said, these are all guys who are just at the beginning of their career, so I think it's a, a safe bet to say that they'll be making noise for a while. What's your favorite anecdote from the book? What was uh, the most fun to report on in this guy? Wow, that is a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is Clint Frazier telling me the, the whole story about the day he got called up, and he's in Rochester, New York, I felt a tap on his shoulder, and the manager calls him into the office, Al Patrique, and he's thinking, this is it, I'm going to go up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the majors, this is going to happen, and then uh, Patrique kind of sits him down and, and goes into this long thing about how he needs to be a better teammate, and how he really needs to interact with the players, whether they win or lose, and he's thinking, am I getting chewed out here, or no, and then at the end, it, it turned around, and they said, alright, now get to Houston and go work on it, and that was the day that he got called up and made his big league debut and hit his home run. But I, I feel like I love those stories. I love the the guys getting called up their first time. Aaron Judge is in a restaurant in Rochester uh, in 2016. He's eating a dinosaur barbecue. Uh, it's midnight, and he gets the call, and they say, hey, you got to be at Yankee Stadium. Get going. And uh, he drives <laughs> through the night with his parents in a rental car and uh, goes and hits a home run in his first at-bat, too. So I, I love stories like that. I, I think uh, 
those are memories that these guys obviously will never forget. I mean, they worked their entire lives to get that call to the majors and put on their pinstripes. And I, I think that they all have different paths uh, to the big leagues. I, you know, I'm thinking about Luis Severino at a tryout for the Yankees down in the Dominican, and he's sick as a dog, and he's throwing up in the dugout, but he's throwing 92, 93 miles an hour, and, and the Yankees really saw that. Donnie Rowland, their international scouting director, saw the, the drive that this guy had, and, and they cut the deal in the dugout right there that afternoon. So uh, I think that there's a lot of those stories that we all know Judge hits the ball really hard, but I think it's, it's cool to know where he came from and, and how he became the man in New York City. And I, I think that the readers will get a real sense of all of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, reading through it, I, I, I was learning things I didn't know, and I know these guys, too. I'm in the clubhouse with you, too, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't know this story. So, yeah, it was really cool to flip through. How many hours of interviews did you do with these guys? Are you relying – you said you were relying on people – that you didn't think to talk to as, as a beat reporter, these guys from back home that you, you wouldn't talk to. So how much reporting did you do? How many hours of tape, I guess, do you have for this this book? Wow, that is a great question. I haven't gone and counted it up, but I, I would say there's at least 20 to 40 hours of new material in there. And uh, it's not just the people from back home. You know, the people in the Yankees organization have been so generous with their time and uh, and that, that begins with Brian Cashman and Damon Oppenheimer. Yeah, you got some Rowland. great stuff in there from Cash and, and Epler and, and all these yeah. guys, yeah. No, they've been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I feel like we had a prior relationship. They they know of my coverage, obviously, for Yankees.com and MLB.com. So that, that helped open the door. And uh, I think that uh, they were comfortable talking with me about some of these things and kind of really painting the picture of how the Yankees got from where they were to where they are. A little bit on the personal side, you had your first kid last year, right? So you're writing this with, with a baby at home. How, how difficult was that? <laughs> yeah, and we've got another one on the way, too. Congratulations. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, so we've got a little family coming together. We've got the baby bombers uh, here at home. <laughs> Um, yeah, Penny's uh, 18 months old, so it's it's been a juggling act for sure. Uh, I think that obviously all these nights on the road and, and traveling with the team, going where they go, I, I feel like uh, your time is spread thin for sure. But it, it's a challenge that I've I've always wanted to write a book and and writing for dot com. You know, I, I love obviously writing for MLB dot com, and that's great. But there's not often something you can hold in your hand. Um, you know, I've written hundreds of thousands of words for MLB.com, and I don't really have a whole lot of it printed out. So it's out there on the Internet, I'm sure of it. But this would be cool to have something on the bookshelf that uh, I can point to and say, I did that. Yeah, that's exciting. That's definitely a cool thing. All right, last question. What do you what do you think is happening the, the rest of this offseason? What are you predicting here? I, I think they're not done. And I think that you look at the team right now, they could go forward with what they have, and uh, I think you've still got some question marks at second base and third base, but you know Cashman has been very clear about they want to add another starting pitcher and somebody who could challenge at the back end of that rotation or the middle of the rotation, and that probably means that Jordan Montgomery would be an up and down guy for next year. And uh, you can never have enough starting pitching, so whether it winds up being a guy like a Garrett Cole or or they go after another player who can really fill out that rotation, you know. They've got the rotation right now that took them within one win of the World Series, so you should feel okay with that. You think Sonny Gray is going to be better this year. I think that Severino really came into his own and 
proves himself as an ace, and you hope for a consistent performance from Masahiro Tanaka and CeCe Sabathia. So I think that if they had to go forward with what you have, uh, you should feel pretty good with it, but I think there's more time on the clock here, and, and this is a really slow-developing free agent market. I think that as we get into late January and early February, there are going to still be some guys on the board that the Yankees can plug in here and, and go forward with. So I, I think that while they are saying they're comfortable going with Labor Torres at second base and Miguel Andahar at third base uh, among their options, I, I think that if they can supplement that and, and bring in other guys and really solidify it, I mean, look, this lineup is going to put up a ton of runs. Uh, they should pitch pretty well. The bullpen is going to be a strength again. You really only need five or six innings out of your starters with the bullpen that they have. Um, I, I think you're looking at a team here that has to be the favorites in the American League East as it is right now. And if Frank Cashman can add to that between now and opening day when the Yankees get on the field up in Toronto, um, I think he's obviously going to do that, but they're going to be smart about it. I don't think they want to dig in and, and trade away the prospects that they've worked so hard to, to gather for themselves because there's a lot of good stuff coming. You've seen just the tip of the iceberg already, but uh, there, there's more coming on the way. So I think that the uh, Yankee fans should be very excited about 2018, 2019, and 2020. Yeah, and you touch on that in the book, too. There's there's a whole other wave of prospects that could be joining this this Baby Bomber crew. So maybe maybe there'll be a sequel book in the works soon enough. <laughs> well, you know, if they go and win the World Series, maybe we'll tack a couple chapters yeah, on the a end. Revised, and, uh, a revised edition. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. All right, Brian, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll be seeing you down at spring training in just a few weeks. You got it. Let's get down there. It's, uh, it's cold up here. I know, right? Let's go down to sunny Florida. Okay, guys, we're back. I hope you're prepared for a live coin toss because Nathan and John are about to do a Hall of Fame Yankees draft. Well, we John, do a little background John here. tell us about this draft before we toss this coin up. Please here. inform me because yeah. I have no idea what's about we're to about happen. We're about to, you know, we're a couple weeks out now from the announcement of the 2018 Hall of Fame class. It's always a pretty exciting time. We had a Yankee in last year and Tim Raines. I think it is a fun time to, you, you, you look at page 255 of last year's <laughs> Yankees media guide and then you keep turning the page several times because that's what it takes to get all the Yankees who are currently in Cooperstown. I think it is a fun time for me and Nate to draft our five Yankees Hall of Famers. And, and I will judge. I, I, I just want to make it very, team. very clear that Hillary chose to be the judge in this case. Hillary was offered a team um, and she rejected a team. I'm um, much, I'm, I'm more judgmental. So I want to, <laughs> you know, fair point. Rain judgment down on both of you. I respect that. I want you to set one parameter here. Are we only choosing people who are actually Hall of Famers, or can we choose a person who we think will be a Hall of Famer? I think you can choose a potential Hall of Famer. Okay. Mm, so interesting we, wrinkle. Interesting, yeah. I try to keep things uh, a little different here. So with that, I think it, it's time for a live coin toss. I think which, it is. I mean, this is, this is drama that is just made for the podcast so, medium. <laughs> going into this, though, I need to know, like, what are we being judged on here, Hillary? What is going to determine the better team? Because, I mean, obviously they're both going to be pretty stacked. What a question. Um, I is think... it who you think would win a World Series uh, against each other? Is it How are we judging these things? I think it's going to be team for team. How would they face off against each other? How would they match up against each other? And who would come out victorious okay. in a, a World Series matchup? Well, let's be clear then. Are, are we picking a full lineup or are we just picking a couple guys? I would say five guys. Okay. Have a pitcher and then four okay. position players. One pitcher, four position players. Yes. 
How about I'm going to throw another little wrinkle in there. One pitcher, four position players, and wild card. I don't know what that means. Well, we'll see. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Who, John, heads or tails? Tails. Tails. Here goes the coin. It is tails. I will take the second and third pick. Ooh, second All and right. third. Nate. Snake draft. <laughs> um, so I have the first overall pick. Correct. And I'm trying to compile my best team of Yankees Hall of Famers. I mean, you got to go with the Bambino. The right? great Bambino. I mean. This seems like a solid first choice. I don't really, know what else you would do. You'd be crazy not to. So give me the babe. Babe. He goes off first the board. overall. John. All right. I, I, I think that was a pretty obvious pick. I'll, I'll grant you that. I'm going to go um, Joe DiMaggio and Whitey Ford. Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Snagged Whitey. Got Whitey in there. Oof. I was wondering who was going to get Whitey. <sighs> That's going to be tough. So now I have two picks, huh? Well, I have part of Murderer's Row. I mean, I, I got to pair Ruth with, with Garrig, my guy Lou. Put Sweet Lou over it first. All right. We got some mashers in there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Whitey's got his work cut out for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so we're not worried about positions here. Like, it's okay if I if I wanted to take another first baseman, say, or something like that. I think it, it is up to you. However right. you want to play it, go well, for it. I like home runs, so I, I'm going with the Mick. There you go. Give me the Mick. Mickey Mantle. I now have Ruth, Garrig, and Mantle. John, I think you're going to have some trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who do you have so far, John? I have a great team so far. Okay, There's great. still time here. Good, okay? good, good. Cool. Um, I am going to go with, uh, I, I think this might be a little bit of a surprise, but I'm pretty pleased with the idea of having him on my team for really just myriad reasons. Ricky Henderson. All right. I think that an interesting in choice. a five-person team, I'm getting a lot of value out of Not Ricky Henderson there. quite what I would have predicted. I know who's betting leadoff in this game. This is what I'm saying here. You and got a guy who can get on base. I, I got a, Nate I got, still I got doesn't a guy who can get on base, steal, hit a lot of home runs. I'm pretty pretty pleased. I mean, not as many as Nate's lineup, but okay. Well, you know what? There's only so many times you can hit a home run, right? I hope. I, uh. I disagree. I think that's <laughs> objectionably false. We're going to find out in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, my next pick. Man, I'm running out of team here. My next pick is going to be Yogi. <sighs> Oof. Taking Yogi off the board. That was that was my guy. That's who I wanted. Well, let's see. I think I'm pretty good in terms of home runs. You don't want Frank home run Baker? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, to keep it thematic. Let's be honest here for a second also. Let's not forget. I have Joe DiMaggio on my team. Like, we're talking about yeah. like, my, my, my yeah. team is pretty good. Nothing to sneeze at. It's true. You're right. You took Yogi, but I do need a catcher. And there's plenty of good ones to choose from in Yankees history, but I'm going to go with the other number eight. <laughs> Yogi's mentor, Bill Dickey. The first eight. That's right. And then, so what did we say? Is this a series or is this one game head-to-head? I think it's one game. You only have one pitcher. One game, one pitcher? Yeah. You know, I've always trusted Andy Pettit in the big game, so give me Andy. I was wondering if for the not yet Hall of Famer, it was going to be Mo who went. I, I don't want to rely on Mo for twenty seven. Yeah, outs. Mo is uh, Mo, smart. Mo would be good for <laughs> an inning. Yep. 
I don't think he would last against Ricky and and Lou and Yogi. You guys make you guys make good points. Okay. The, Your last pick, John. Yeah, I, you know this, this is this is actually a really tough one. Um, I thought this was going to be a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a too many to choose from. Is the problem? Uh, I, you know what? I, I'm I'm going a little. So I have uh, my pick and then my wild card pick, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently. So my pick, I think, is going to be Reggie Jackson. Mr. October. Just stealing my picks. You know, like, I, I don't feel great about it, but I also, like... Well, look, I mean, this is a big, big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a big game. I agree. He's a big Mr. Game October, hitter. I mean, he rises to the occasion. So, so, okay, we need to be very clear about one thing, because I, I thought my wild card pick was going to be genius, and now we're talking about this as one game, and maybe my wild card pick doesn't make any sense, because my wild card pick, which was going to be genius for my building the best team was obviously going to be Branch Rickey. But it seems as though, <laughs> because I was going to revolutionize, you know, my entire future. Go but ahead, pick them. Yeah, do that. I support do that. that. If we're honestly talking about one game here, you know. Branch Rickey's not going to do you much good. Yeah, then it's more, do I go Casey or Tori? You know what? I I think I'm going to go Casey. I'm going to take Casey Stangle. All right. I had him in mind as well. Let's be, let's be very clear, though. My idea with the wild card was to impress everybody by taking Branch Rickey. <laughs> Failed Miss Rickey. I know. It really, really blew that one. Well, you know, I'm kind of fortunate in that uh, I have a guy with managerial experience on my team already, and Bill Dickey. He yeah, actually indeed. played and managed at the same time for a little bit. I mean, Yogi has some managerial experience, too, on there. True. For so, John. But. I'm not going to take a manager with my wild card pick. I'm going to go. I, I plan on having a sizable lead, so I don't know that I'll need him, but I would still like to have him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Mariano in my bullpen. I think that's a very smart idea. I think it's conservative. You know, Mo. Mona's, what's up? So, so let me read this back to you. Yes, please. Nate's team. Mm-hmm. Really? Do you want to come up with names for your teams? I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot, but if you wanted to have a name, it might it might help you in my voting. Uh, we're the Bambinos. Interesting. The Bambinos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember uh, Rock and Jock Softball, where it was the homeboys and the away boys? <laughs> I sure don't. I sure do. Okay, Nate's team is Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Bill Dickey, Andy Pettit, and Mariano Rivera. Oh, I love it. I love it. Sounds like a pretty good team. My team is Aaron Judge, Giancarlo. No, my team is <laughs> Joe DiMaggio. Oh, poor John with Joe DiMaggio. Whitey Four. What's he going to do with Whitey Four? Hey. Ricky Henderson. Nate does not appear to have a second baseman or a shortstop, so I'm pretty sure that Ricky Henderson is going to be stealing a lot of bases in this game. I'm just going to say. Uh, um, Andy's going to pick him off. Oh, good call. That's true. Very true. <laughs> wow. Great great point. Ricky Henderson, Yogi Berra, Reggie Jackson, and Casey Stengel. Um, Casey, mind you, also a very mediocre baseball player. So we'll see how I can use him in that. Uh, um, yeah, I wouldn't call him mediocre. I mean, he, he, was, he was good. Okay. My team does not have a name. My team is The no names. The no names. The away boys, if you will. The, the away boys. <laughs> Bambinos. Well, I think you both put together some pretty solid teams. John, a little more unconventional than Nathan, but I think it's it's kind of scrappy what you did. Ricky scrappy. Henderson Joe leading <laughs> off Ricky Henderson against Yogi Berra, Reggie Jackson. Real scrappy it's a group scra- there. It's a scrappy club <laughs> as opposed to the babe, the Mick, <laughs> and Gehrig, and Dickie. Um, I will remind you that. In all-star games, now I have a pretty much an all-star lineup here. In all-star games, 
Woody John Ford, does not. Woody Ford did not fare <laughs> John's so well, got slouches. So he's, I don't know. I mean, he's got his work cut out for him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Not that I'm trying to sway you, Hillary. But. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So here's what I think would happen. I think, I think Whitey starts out strong. I think Andy also, Andy, Andy has a little bit of trouble in the first inning. <laughs> with Ricky and uh, and Joe and 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 Yogi, I think they're they're pretty good at getting on base. So I think they they take a, they take an early lead, but I think Andy settles settles down a little bit. The Bambino, Mick, Sweet Lou, they start getting to Whitey after that second and third inning, and then Mo slams the door shut at the end of the game. And I think Nathan comes out on top in this game. I'm sorry, John. Bambinos. I think Nate's Nate's wild card pick is really what sealed the deal. I think you're not going to score on Mo when he comes in the game after after they take the lead. All right, well, this is my idea, so we're scrapping this whole segment. You're you're going to edit this out. Right <laughs> I'm going to uh, yeah, just edit <laughs> this you. whole thing out. And, it's a great uh, episode, guys. Good job, uh, you know, I'm glad everybody. We to talk about the stories we're working good on. Good luck and, to you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really it's a shame we didn't have an idea for a second segment. I know it's too bad. Well, I think we have proven that there's quite a bit of Yankees and Cooperstown to choose from. If you want to have a fun draft, it's the way to go. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. John, thanks for bringing this to uh, our attention and making us do this. Thanks. <laughs> and everyone get ready for uh, Hall of Fame announcements coming later this month. Hall of Fame announcements. Check back next episode when I'm sure Nathan and John will be back from the road. And yeah. we'll check in with them then and what their stories turned into. So, all these wonderful stories that we've been talking about, you're probably thinking, I would love to read those when they come out. Oh well, my God, would I? Then you know what you should do if you haven't done so already. What's that? Subscribe to Yankees Magazine. Oh my God. How do I do that? Great question, John. Right now, we have a wonderful offer. If you go to yankees.com slash publications, mm-hmm. you can take advantage of our holiday offer, which by popular demand has been extended into the new year. And for We're the, not saying Happy New Year anymore, though. No, we're not saying Happy New Year. It's the, it's the Martin Luther King Day offer. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's a holiday weekend. It's a holiday. Celebrate by treating yourself or a loved one to a subscription to Yankees Magazine. Eight issues for twenty nine ninety nine, and here is the kicker. You get a voucher with your first issue. It'll arrive in March, and this voucher will have instructions for how to go online and redeem it for two tickets to a Yankees home game. I'm sorry, two free tickets that with is correct. a subscription? That is correct. Let me pick my jaw up off uh, the floor, Nathan. <laughs> this is incredible. Now, I know you probably have questions about this. What games can I go to? That's a good question. The games have not been set in stone yet, but they will be select April and May games. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to yankees.com slash publications. You're going to sign up for the holiday offer, plunk down your 30 bucks. You're going to get eight great issues of Yankees Magazine delivered to your doorstep in 2018, bringing you the best coverage of your favorite team. And then you get to see them live. And then you get to see them live. You get to come to Yankee Stadium and watch the power show. I don't know how anybody can say no to something as wonderful as that, John. But you got to do one thing. You got to do it before January 31st. That's when that ticket offer goes away. That's true. So So the clock is ticking. Act fast. Yep. But seriously, like, let, let's just be very clear about this deal. For $30, you're getting Yankees Magazine and two free tickets to a game. You cannot get anything at Yankee Stadium 
for $30. Certainly not two tickets to Yankee Stadium. Well, the pinstripe pass is 15 bucks. That's fair. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but my, that does not come with a yearly no, subscription. Don't, to you my, you my, don't get a magazine for that. My point being, presumably, if Eight you're magazines. listening to this, at some point you would like to go to a game at Yankee Stadium this year. If you were thinking of buying tickets to a game at Yankee Stadium this year, they would cost more than this offer that also comes with a subscription to Yankees Magazine. I think you sold it pretty well there, John. Yeah, there's really not much more to say after that. Except, please also follow us on Twitter. We're yeah. at Yanks Magazine. Email us, tweet at us. We're podcasts at yankees.com. We would love to hear from you. I mean, you can draft your own Yankees if you wanted to, and I can judge that as well. Happy to judge anybody who wants to send something to me. It's kind of what I live for. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know who you think would win. The Bambinos or the Away Boys? Or, yeah, the untitled Away Boys. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio, Randy uh-huh. Ford, Ricky Henderson, okay. Yogi Berra, Reggie Jackson, and Casey Stengel. I love my team. The more I look at it, the more excited I get by okay, my team. Okay, John. You still lose because <laughs> well, I said so. I tell you, between Yogi and Ricky and Reggie and Casey, it would certainly be probably the more entertaining team. My team, my team is going to be wicked quotable. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say wicked here in New York, it's John. That's fair. That's, That's fair. I mean, you lose again. Shipping up to Boston. I'm judging you hard. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Happy January. Peace out. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.